Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Pro Video Podcast. I'm the host, Blair Walker. On this week's episode, we're going to be covering in-house offerings at agencies. That's the teams that cover motion design, editing, colour grading, filming, everything associated with video production. And it's a great opportunity to work across a number of leading brands when you are working in-house at an agency. We've had a number of reviews come in from listeners, so I'm going to share those weekly now. So listen out at the end of this episode, and maybe I'll share your review. Alright, let's go to this week's episode with Sean Madwick and Amanda Susano. Thanks Amanda and thanks Sean for joining me in the studio. No worries. Sweet. Glad to be here. I've known you both for a few years now and we have come together through mutual job descriptions I suppose would be an accurate way of putting it in that we all do motion design and various other activities around motion design, editing, color grading, 3D and we're all working for advertising agencies now. Amanda, how long have you been working in the industry and what's your background? Crikey. (laughs) Where did it all start? I actually started in graphic design and um, that was at Carrington just after it stopped being a mental hospital. We had a few few ex-patients dropping on lectures there and then I moved into cell animation um, and did a bit of work experience with Brent Chambers and the guys that are now Flux. Um, and then went back into postgrad in graphic design and got a job from the exhibition. I decided to do something a little bit different, which was you know back then where the web was just starting to do all my portfolio online, and got a job in music television with Juice TV. And there I was very much a generalist designer doing graphics, web design, and motion. But with with the television setup, it gave me the opportunity to learn. Uh, the motion skills more 3D and then self-taught myself editing and grading there. Awesome. Sean, how about you? What's your career been? Uh, I I started out design as well, but I I thought I'd uh, try and rush into it and I only did a one-year course at NatCol. I thought that'd, that'd be enough to get me a design job uh, and it wasn't. Um, so NatCol's now Ubi, I think. So I actually moved to Australia and started working for my uncle for a surf company there, designing T-shirts and bags and just, I think I did a whole clothing range and surf stuff and um, that was a good fun for a couple of years but I still can't surf so Noosa got a bit boring. Uh, headed back to New Zealand, decided to study motion uh, at Media Design School so I did one year there and went into uh, run a job at October straight out of school. I think I was there for Maybe a year just uh, hustling and, you know, sticking my head into every door and seeing what they were doing and figuring out how, how it all worked. And off the back of that and off some people I'd, I'd studied with, I got a job at uh, The Darkroom, which is a little motion, uh, motion design studio that specialises in event graphics, I guess, and projection mapping and live visuals. Uh, and I probably worked for them for about five years, a uh, couple of years here in New Zealand, a couple of years in London. Yeah, came back to New Zealand and freelance for a bit before getting a job at Augusta, where I am now. So you've both been in the game for a while now. It's really changed so much in the past 10 years, really, of how motion design, editing, color grading, all the areas of video, where that's done and how that's done. 
So you would have seen the studios internally at these agencies grow over those periods. What's your experience been, Amanda, of the type of work and the level of quality that agencies are doing internally now? When I moved on from Juice, I went to start work at a um, retail agency and pretty much um, with getting that job, it was a blank slate. I had to install my own beige Mac, which was wired up to the second floor to a digibated deck, <laughs> which, yeah, I had to, had to you know, set it off and then run up there and dial a few knobs. Um, I think moving into the agency, they already had that sort of Mac and Adobe base, so that's kind of, I think, how agencies have kind of ended up grounding in their post-production um, workflow because because of the corporate um, software licensing, it kind of seems the natural natural base um, and one thing with um, reducing budgets agencies have had a, a bigger and bigger push to bring work in-house that traditionally would have gone to both production companies and hiring the people um, directly in-house that can take on that work um, as an example at 99 I started as myself um, and then uh, within five years um, had gone to designing Full, full suites for um, eight plus people, um, a total digital connection and massive t- masses of terabytes and backup behind to keep us all all going. Yeah, similar experience for myself where I set up the first suites for my agency as well and I was a one-man band for a couple of years and then over time the the projects and the requirements and the budgets but also having people internally for creators to have access to so they're not having to go out of the building for all these types of projects really has meant the explosion of the numbers internally for agencies. We started on Final Cut way back and I remember I my background was in post-production and I had been using After Effects for Motion and Maya for 3D and they were looking for an editor because that's what the job descriptions were let's get an editor in but it was really they were looking for a motion designer and they said so have you edited before and I think like all of us we kind of have this mindset no but I can figure it out (laughs) (laughs) so you sit down for the tools for a couple of weeks nut through it and fundamentally um, the same the same ideas of communication timing and motion design come through in editing as well. I think we can all appreciate the skill sets that a dedicated editor brings to it, but the the demands of our roles means that we have to wear a lot more hats than what you might have expected 10 years ago. Have you found that to be the same, Sean? Uh, I think uh, Augusto is kind of a, a special case just based on where it's kind of uh, evolved from because uh, it started as a production company. Uh, we have always made everything ourselves. And so we've got a team of in-house editors. We've got a team of graphic designers. Uh, so I'm lucky enough I get to actually focus on just motion design. Yep. Uh, and it's, it is fun to uh, collaborate with a really good editor. And, you know, he's, he's at a certain level of skill and I'm at a certain level of skill and we can, you know, elevate something rather than me. Actually, someone said this the other day, like, if you're doing all these things, it's only as good as the worst part of it. You know, if you're doing it yourself, if you're, you know, it's amazing design, it's amazing animation, amazing editing, but you're crap at sound design and you have to do it yourself. It's every time you you see it, you only hear the crap sound design, you know, and it brings it all down. Um, 
So having a team around you to, to bounce all that stuff off is, is, is pretty fun. Um, it just makes for, uh, for me personally, I, I, I quite enjoy just narrowing down. Because I have done it in the past. I have, yeah, had to do everything. I have had to, to figure out how to edit and, and do my own sound effects and source all that stuff. And yeah. Somewhere along the line, I've now sort of gone through the build of three audio booths. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot from there. Um, but the last one was like a converted, um, or my current one, it was a converted um, broom closet, literally. Um, it needed quite a bit of work. <laughs> it's interesting how much a part of sound plays in video and that if you have a ropey kind of look to a video, you can get away with it. But if you have ropey audio, it yeah, yeah. stands out like a sore thumb. I think I, I, I like the, the sound design part, but I'm no good at mastering or levels or anything like that. It's just getting, yeah, it is just finishing off the video because I know this sound should be here when this thing's happening. And I know this is supposed to, you know, this is what this object sounds like when it's moving through space. So if you've got kind of a decent library sitting there and you can build that, then I, I find that quite fun. And I've done it for small jobs and then hand it off to someone to make it actually sound proper, you know, professional. But What type of video content are you guys producing at the various agencies? Sean, what, what, what kind of content is coming through Augusto? I guess it's, it's branded content is probably the, the, the catch-all kind of thing. It's, uh, we like to do more narrative-based uh, stuff, so it's not so much doing it at 30 second TVC. We're doing how-to videos and we're doing hundreds of them. We're doing stories where, you know, a young couple are building a tiny house and we follow them through that. And it's all sits within a brand space, but it's no overt buy this now, buy this now. It's something that I think brands are like asking a lot more for and oh, it's just more fun to tell stories. I think it's a bit of a trend in advertising in general that yeah. um, brands are reaching out to their audience and they're sharing experiences and communicating to them and not doing the hard sell. Yeah, and we're not just delivering a TVC anymore. We're not just doing, here's your one video, we're done, thank you. Just last week we're doing a 30-second ad, we're doing a, sorry, a 60-second ad, we're doing a 30-second cut down, we're doing two 10-second teasers, we're doing, I think it's something like 22 videos supporting that main chunk of brand as well as a kind of sub-brand stuff so it's it's yeah 35 pieces of content but it's you know one campaign yes yeah i saw a turning point actually in 2012 where we did the driving dogs campaign where we taught um rescue dogs from spca how to drive a car and um a good friend of ours marco was shooting that and we were editing it and we were the same. We had 25 deliverables, which mm. were various pieces of content between 30 seconds and two and a half minutes. And it's it's giving a really wide experience of a campaign, whatever that is. Yeah. So, the, so the, yeah, the role of motion designer is just, it's like, you really need us. You really need more people doing this because it's, it's um, there's a lot more work in this than, yeah, just it's not just reducing something down, it's creating an individual piece that's uh, in the same flavor, yeah, but standalone still, yeah, yeah. How about you, Amanda? What sort of uh, content is coming out of YNR? Um, yeah, I guess it's a similar sort of stunt based work. We're trying to get eyeballs on YouTube. Um, probably m most successful recently, I can think of for, for us, would have been Mick Whopper and um, Jag Actual Reality. Mick Whopper was done all over the place, though, um, with post production companies as well. Um, 
actual jag actual um they it was it was a it was a stunt where they put people into uh, what they thought was a simulator of a jag experience um but what they actually do was, was roll them out into the track without their them noticing and drove them around and then got their response <laughs> Um, so for for, my, for for me, my part in that was um, to m- come up with a fake virtual HUD that they saw in the helmet. So we timed it out, you know, how long it would take them to get onto the track and kind of some, some BS about why there's some bumps and stuff, which is actually the, the turntable turning around and uh, had to have a, like a, a sort of a bit, bit spacey feel until the live feed kicked in and then... That had um, motion graphics over the top to sort of like this is your G forces and stuff, which is yeah, BS again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the back end of that after the the fake um, was uh, th- that needed to be edited and in, into a number of YouTube deliverables um, to, to show people what happened. And, and the premise was nothing beats the real thing. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how much social media is a deliverable for all of us now. It's even more interesting seeing how Facebook and YouTube are embracing live feed, which kind of takes us out of the equation. So have you found that the types of jobs have grown in the demands of your role at YNR, Amanda? Or like Sean, are there more people that are focused on different areas? I think for the change for me is like yeah, I've gone from being a sort of solo and in, in music TV to doing a lot, and then to have, developing a bigger team, and we specialise again. And now I've gone back to being a little bit more one one man band, and even recording my own audio. I think the proportion of work that goes out is balanced a bit better, so I am concentrating more on the motion graphics and um, getting the look of things, even if it is content. Um, lifted. Um, we recently had a, a job which was pretty much done in 24 hours. Fly to Utah, film some Land Rovers in the desert that came back, um, and it was it's so many different pieces of content oh, shot on so many different cameras. It, nothing looked the same. Some of it was still, some of it was drone. Um, so some of it, I think, might have been um, some GoPro. A lot of things for that. Um, the content is trying to tight, tighten it up and give it that um, that polish that you're not going to get from your live Facebook no. <laughs> or YouTube. You know, advertising still wants to have that polish and try and keep branded content consistent. Yeah, the number of people who have come from a traditional post facility who are now working at agencies has grown. But then there's a little bit of a shift too of people starting up smaller boutique facilities or freelancing being a bit more transient that you're not working for a facility yeah have you seen that as well we've got our little like our stable of freelancers you know who we we call in on a lot and who you'd want to have them there full time you know if you could just because they're good at what they do and they're good people but they're just happy doing what they're doing and having that freedom and stuff but yeah there are yeah i've got a lot of friends who are all a lot smaller smaller company based and they I know that's where I came from as well I, was, I quite liked that and they seem to be killing it so it seems like there's enough work and the access is easier you know you can you don't need big piles of million dollar machines to put stuff out in there so it's it's realistic to work from home from your spare bedroom a lot of those people would have worked at facilities or mm. coming with a lot of experience as well. I think that's a key part of that. Yeah, it's not It's not the, I've finished school and I'm going to freelance and be great and have a great career. It's Yeah, it's like, I know how this all works now. 
and I I know where I can spend my time and money, and that will you know make for better work for me. Yeah. Compared to where people were working at facilities and there were huge infrastructures because all the equipment costs so much. Yeah, I think like because I when I was a runner, which is you know. I got hired because I knew how to make coffee, not because I knew anything about motion design or post-production. Uh, it was just seeing that big beast. And I'd been hanging out in post facilities because my brother worked there and worked at Images. And so I was, I was always just sniffing around. So I kind of knew the vibe and how they worked. So when it, the opportunity to work somewhere else came up, I took it because I think they offered me a job at the same time. And I, I took the smaller studio job rather than staying at the award-winning post-production facility with some amazing talent in it. But yeah, yeah. what what was the driving force behind that decision? Uh, it was it was more freedom um, to make fun th- stuff. I think the projection mapping thing just seemed more exciting. Uh, they're a small studio, so they didn't have to do any retail work. There was no the bread and butter work was like doing projection jobs for Louis Vuitton. So it was. Yeah, it was, you, you could have much more impact um, for a one person rather than having to, to go through all these you know barriers to just create cool work. Personal trait that I see in motion designers, editors, um, people in our field especially, is not being afraid of embracing new technologies and evolving tech and knowing that you can figure it out. Is that something that you've found in your own careers that you just got the attitude of, I'm not sure how to do it, but I'll just figure it out, Amanda? With JAG Actual Reality, I was actually like did quite a bit of research in the 360 and VR, and then I was slightly disappointed they were actually doing it for real and not virtually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do have another uh, couple of projects up my sleeve after the, after that learning and in, in, in progress to do a bit of the 360 animation. Um, and I think it's... I guess the tools are fairly similar. It's just the different output. Yeah. So it's trying to take those all those motion design and animation principles and into 360 or onto a big projection. It's just kind of a different output. So you, you a new canvas, a little side, to, a new canvas. <laughs> it's a, yeah. yeah. A lot of people would try and sell them to you. It's new big things. Like well, you just yeah, you're just showing it somewhere differently. I still have yeah. to make things the same way. I just need a different camera. I it need just needs more frame. pixels. Yeah, a lot more <laughs> pixels. Yeah. The other thing that investigators is app development, and uh, you know, I'd love to learn Unity um, and actually mm. be doing you know a bit more real time animation or coming up with things. Yeah, uh, Unity, Unreal, and Houdini. These are the the tools that a lot of people are talking about as being the next step for motion designers, especially mm. as being a new canvas to play in. It's always daunting to find the time to in- invest in making that step, but I think you just got to jump into it, really, don't you? Yeah, I think if you're if you're freelancing or working on your own, you 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 kind of you'll do a big job and you'll have a break and then you'll go oh, okay I'll do I'll do a bit of development time and mm. I'll just explore some stuff for a little while and then you do the next job but if you're you're in house it's that kind of once that grind like stops for just a moment you you just feel like taking a breath rather than jumping into something else but yeah, yeah. And time is fragmented a lot more. Yeah. There's a, a smaller requirements that fragment the day versus where if you're freelancing and you don't have a gig that day, you've got a whole day. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the biggest change for me is now I don't get to sit on one job for three weeks. I need to 
be aware of every other job that's coming in the building at yeah. various stages and and uh, be have to be pulled out of you know being in the middle of a task to go and deal with some crisis on some job I'm not even working on until next week or you know and stop my brain and figure out how that one's going to be solved and then come back to yeah. dive back into a really complex 3D project or something and that's that's always really frustrating and I'm not sure kind of the best way to manage that yet I, or if it ever can yeah, yeah it's it's hard because uh, a lot of these projects uh, have input and impacts by so many different people in the internal agency as well as client side mm. um, so there might be a pause on a job because waiting for a certain um, person to feedback in it or there might just be a technical issue that has to be addressed usually I find that um, I'm producers are our, uh, our saving grace at times a good producer is worth their weight in gold yeah that whole uh, I like the the gatekeeper aspect of a producer mm. is, is to keep that uh, all the the noise away from you and let you work is yeah really important I don't think I fully appreciated what a producer's role was for a motion designer editor especially in an agency when I was working in post, we had facilities producers, but they're very, very different roles. Yeah, yeah. But they are the people that we communicate the most to. So in your agencies, what are the types of roles that the producers have and how do you work with them? I think the gatekeeper role is quite important. Like learning the sort of agency structure, I kind of learned um, that the suit is there to stop the creatives killing the clients you know, for throwing out their idea or wrecking their great creative. Um, but and vice versa, we really need the producers to um, help our door because suits will, will just barge in with random requests. Um, I want one of these. Um, and the same with creatives. You know, the, can you push that a little bit further? It's like, how, you know, you're given an hour budget. You, you're asking for eight hours work. So they're... I think that that's probably you know you know keeping things on track and in reality is uh, the producers. Yeah, so um, a suit, if you're not sure what that is, is an account services person who works at the agency and will be dealing directly with the client and their needs. The creative is coming up with the ideas made from a brief that might come from a planning or from the suit directly. Creatives love a good clear brief. <laughs> and the producers are there to moderate the needs of creative account services and those who are producing the work. It's it's an interesting little family dynamic we might have. Yeah, I think our producers, slightly, they're not specific post-producers because we do our own production. We go and do our own shoots. We've got our own gear. We They are often used to producing live action, so they're used to going out and they can organise a shoot you know drop of a hat but when it comes to producing the post it's not as clear for them and they're not as knowledgeable and it's there's a lot of educating on on how we need like how much time i actually need to do stuff after the grade has been done and those kind of things that they'll they get a bit messy for us yeah it's a it's a huge um role because their roles have grown a lot too because on the vice versa the role of a producer at our agency has meant that they are we've had internal suites for quite some time so that's become a known and now we're shooting more ourselves as well with internal content directors and I think internal facilities which they are now 
are just doing a lot more in the scope of everyone's roles uh, expanding, except for yours, Sean. <laughs> You're yeah, lucky to function in motion. Yeah. <laughs> I think we were, we were slightly different just because of how we grew is that the producers would still go and handle the live stuff, but our suits would produce the post. Oh, often. right. So, you know, once the stuff was captured, then the suits would take over. So they were, we had a great bunch of suits who all were really knowledgeable about what needed to be done, but also they knew what the client wanted and didn't have as involved creatives a lot of the time. They were generally, they'd come up with the initial idea and pitch it in and stuff, but once the job got underway, the creative would sit with whoever's actually making it. Yeah. So our design director would just, you know, take over that, or if it was coming to motion, then I'd just be in charge of all the look and feel and, you know, from then on. So it was, yeah, it's a, it's a funny place. It's, uh, it's interesting, though. I don't think any one agency does it exactly the same as any other. Another agency I'm thinking of does as much internally as possible. Whereas another agency will outsource a lot of their projects and just do the bare minimum internally. I'm, I'm really happy with the balance that we've got. Mm. Uh, I think that with having internal talent in a motion suite, edit suite, color suite, you want to be having those challenges and those cool jobs to keep you energized and invigorated. Yeah, At the same yeah. time, there's a requirement to um, pay the bills and make sure that we're getting work through the door efficiently. So yeah. it's a fine balance. How do you find it, Amanda? <laughs> the fine balance? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to be out of retail. Um, that Yeah, I guess that was a grind. So um, at YNR, the the creative energy is really high and it's just awesome to be in early on ideas. And I guess having that, that heads up, you get to do a bit more experimenting and I guess one of the things we first started out in, in an agency is like they're consistently trying to prove that you can do the work in-house because it's, like it's if they can see you it's yeah tangible it's tangible <laughs> and, and you, they, you, they might see you make a mistake whereas if you're actually out of the building it's kind of hidden and yeah. they, they don't see that you have to do some experimentation and maybe make some mistakes and you know when you're sitting next to them it's hard to hide but that also gives you that leg up to experiment together yeah i'm doing a bit at the moment which is a virtual you know it's, it's an idea but it's too expensive to do for real. So doing it in 3D and, and trying to figure out, you know, light angles and things like that. And that's that, that's great projects to be in on and, and you hope that they're going to be made. It's a, that's a fun thing I've, I've done as well is that one of the producers will come and it's like, we're trying to shoot this thing and we don't know how to shoot it. And it's like, I can mock that up in 3D really quickly and we can play around with a camera and just flick it through. And they're like, oh, cool. Now I can go and you know actually figure out how we can i'll show this to the the dp and he can figure out how he's going to film this for real and you know carry on it's it's yeah it's a fun pulling in those people or it's nice when they come and ask you but there are a lot of the time it's yeah it's like look i made this cool thing i i do cool stuff as well you should look at it you know yeah touching on the point that you made amanda i it, I personally found that I had to educate people a lot more internally over the years about what the process really was because other people did have a curtain to hide behind the reality of the project and the time that it took and 
there might be a lot of hours that weren't put on the job because they wanted to do the job and they wanted the clients to be there. So I've come across educating creatives, producers, account services on the reality of it. And I think it's something that I've seen a shift in um, creatives and or everybody in internal agency as that trust and communication expands they believe you <laughs> yeah. that i'm not just saying it's going to take eight hours to render it's going to take eight hours to render and but if we approach it in this way we can still achieve something that looks great but is going to meet our deadline which isn't going to shift yeah yeah, yeah. there's a lot i think i've, I've done a lot of that if I, I get asked how long it's going to take and i'll say well, I need three weeks for that. It's like, okay, we've got budget for two days. It's like, okay, I'll do it in two days then. And it's, but it's not going to be that. It's going to be this, and here's why. Um, Setting expectations. Yeah, yeah, it's just like what you're asking is based on this reference where they've obviously had more budget, they've had more time. You know, I can tell what they've, they've, how they've made this, and we can't do that. And what the time you're asking, we yeah. can, do, we can do this. You know, this is, and then, then send through examples and all those kind of things. And, yeah, but it is yeah, it's it's a constant education and I've found that by being an internal service, the relationships that you're building with these people over years means that they do talk to you about ideas that they have and being able to spark an idea into a direction that is achievable by us, um it it's really quite empowering for the department internally who are doing the project to know that they've had that input at the start which wasn't the case it used to be that you would be briefed and today you're doing this and the idea's been set in stone a long time ago yeah i think we what we try to do and it often gets lost because it's busy but the initial kind of kickoff when a brief comes in the creators will have a kind of just a quick stab at it to get a direction and then try and get everyone in the room from every department to just go, this is what we're thinking. How would how are we going to achieve this? So you've got the editors there, you've got the designers there, you've got motion, you've got the producers there to just kind of rein everyone in if it gets too crazy. And you just kind of sit around for half an hour or an hour and just chat through and and then they go away and, you know, refine. That's the ideal. It doesn't often, you know, end up like that, but that's what we try. At least you're trying. Yeah, yeah, we try. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are both really involved with the community that we've got in Auckland. So how have you how have you found that? Because there hasn't always been a strong community for motion designers and people in producing professional video content. It's really great to get a perspective outside of your own workplace and a different approach. I think, you know, you, you're so used to being in the same four walls and same people it's just having managing to have those conversations and getting a quick way, like you said, putting, putting your feelers out and getting a like, oh, another way of doing it. I felt really silly the other day when I was like, oh, I need a felt texture. And I was thinking of doing it lo-fi. <laughs> and then um, somebody pointed out there was actually a preset button. <laughs> I was like, how did I not know that one? <laughs> well, you can't know everything. Oh, wow, that's just it. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome that I was involved in that chat. I was watching. I didn't have a quick response for you. But I was amazed at how quickly people were coming back with try this, try this. Yeah, yeah there's, always, there's always someone who's come at that problem. They've come across it from a completely different angle. And they don't know that they know something you don't. And yeah. they just need that spark of context. And then they can fill in that little gap for you. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, that applies to this little thing that I did on this random job that had nothing to do with, you know, anything. And 
that's that's a really fun thing like on the on the slack group to just go i've got this really weird problem and then someone gives yeah. you bits and you get multiple bits of a solution and that kind of informs you and you can figure it out from there kind of thing. i find i find just uh it's that constant education constant keeping up with everything which i i feel i'm pretty useless at and i feel like i'm a bit of a hack most of the time and i resort to the same responses to a lot of problems that's and it's it's kind of a constant thing to go, no, I know I can do it that way, but I should try and figure out some other way because that way is kind of naff. Yeah, and with the amount of content that's available, if you do a quick Google, yeah, it, it can be really easy to slide into, oh, here's an answer, rather than going, well, I want my answer and how what am I bringing to this? Yeah, yeah. I think you Google's a little bit dangerous too because there's so much bad information out yes. there too. Like yes. really bad information. Um, like I really felt for you when you're going through that, having to change a whole department. It's like, am I going to stay Mac? Do I go PC? Uh. <laughs> and it's like, well, it was kind of cute watching your own internal debate and then you finally made the leap, but you had lots of people holding your hand. <laughs> you went, yeah, yeah. You went from Mac to PC. And, and I will do a show on that. I'm trying to get uh, head of IT to come on the show nice. and talk. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people have been interested and and we all know now that we're not going to get a new Mac Pro for a while. So even more people are at the moment really interested. Yeah. I, I switched when I had to buy my own computer. Like yeah. I didn't have a company to buy me one. And I was like, these are bloody expensive things. So yeah, that's when I yeah jumped and I, I've still been able to jump back and forth, like jump on a work machine where they're all Macs. But we've got, uh, like we've just hired another new Joker and... He's used to doing Octane. I was like, well, we need to get him a decent machine. So yeah. might as well upgrade mine as well. And um, Matchy, so, matchy. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been on the Windows now for a good couple of months, and I'm fine with it. But at home, I have a Mac, and yeah. we've still got a Mac in the suite because there are some things that still need to be done on a Mac. It's kind of funny, like, for the first two minutes, you're like, oh, no, uh, different keyboard. <laughs> yeah. And then your brain switches. See, I, I bought a Mac keyboard, and I use a Mac keyboard on my Mac, on my PC just because it feels nice. Um, yeah. And I, I was used to that response from, you know, after years of using a Mac keyboard for motion. It's like that's what feels right to my fingers, you know, hitting hotkeys yeah. and stuff. So. Yeah. I'm, I've become bilingual now. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the Pro Video Packs. This is the section where I ask my guests what their picks of the weeks are. We've got a few different categories. So I'm going to go around. And the first question is, Sean, what's your pick of the week? This could be anything that's helpful in your daily process. I was, I was having a thing about it and going through, yeah, what, what bits of tech and, you know, plugins and I, just pencil and paper. And I write everything down and I'll write myself a list first thing in the morning. And then sometimes I'll write a new list at lunchtime if I haven't achieved everything. And then the next morning I'll go through that list and I'll write a whole new list of all the little, break it down into jobs, break it down into subtasks, you know, and just I really like having it on paper next to me and being able to make notes and make little things. Yeah. And it was, I've, yeah, nothing, nothing is as good for me. Yeah. yeah, I tried OmniFocus. I've tried lots of productivity stuff yeah. over the years. And um, uh, it's so hard to keep up. And I end up doing the same thing, having a list. I need to be a little bit more structured like you. Yeah, I think it's a really good plan of doing it in the morning and then revisiting it midday. Yeah. And then you're not feeling the whole day, oh, no, I've got this thing on my list that I'm not going to achieve. It's also when someone comes and asks you to do something. Mm. It's like, well, I've actually got this long list of stuff to do. 
first. That's a great idea. You know, so I can fit you in between these tasks or I can postpone it. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are you going to bump off my list? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone's work's important. It's not, yeah. you know, you've got to, it's like, well, I can do that, but you'll have to go and ask that person if they can, you know, get bumped and then, then I can do your job. Writ- written proof. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Written proof is so much more solid than. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not making this up on the spot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm so implementing that. How about you, Amanda? What's your pick of the week? Um, Pinterest. Oh, you're a Pinterest. <laughs> um, it's, well, I like to have my thoughts organised and, and references something that I'm doing all the time with it. So, yeah, the, you know, that sort of creative, uh, you're trying to give creative feedback and say, like, okay, we're going to go this way, but, um, you know, how do you get all those bits together that, you know, you have bits of video and your design stuff. So it's, it's not just for colour. Yeah. Escapes for your house, even though I do have one called Storm at Dunkirk, which is <laughs> my painting scheme. I'm going for a <laughs> yeah. nautical theme. Pinterest is great. I've got quite a few boards and my boards are all aimed at motion and video. <laughs> yeah. I just had to do a 32 pages mood boards, um, all different scenes. Uh, and I did not use Pinterest at all for that. That was that was from my big folder of just junk. I just have a folder. I just chuck everything in. Even I go on Pinterest and I save them into a file on my, you know, on my desktop. And you don't print them out. I don't print them out. I, sometimes I'll make a little collage, of, you know, on an A3 and just put that behind my computer. I'm feeling I might start calling you the analog man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not very good at keeping up. Perfect segue. Thank you, Sean. Keeping up. It's hard to do. My pick of the week is uh, Feedly. So this is an RSS app. I find in my role, I'm looking after the bigger infrastructure, which is techie stuff. And it's quite hard in software updates, tech updates, all that stuff is coming out all the time. So with with an RSS feeder like Feedly, you can basically just star them under different topics. So I've got one for hardware, one for software, one for inspiration, one for creative I've got one for NAB 2017, which was last week, and it's amazing how much Da Vinci is featured in that particular feed. Mm-hmm. Looking at work and inspiration too, I've got a Vimeo feeds coming into that, so I can quickly scan the thumbnails of the videos and go, oh, that looks really interesting, because there's just so much stuff out there. So having a way of just thumbnail skimming is helpful. I think you put me onto Feedly as well, but I haven't. It doesn't sound like I've implemented it. Uh, <laughs> like I use it for reading blogs rather than just about like movies and, and junk. Rather than actually probably wrote work. down the link on a piece of paper and that's where <laughs> it ended up. <laughs> okay, I'm wondering who are you guys following online? Amanda, who are you following? I think it's probably been mentioned a few times, but is it Justin Cole or the, the, the motionographer guy? Um, and I think he's particularly good because he's not. He's not industry, so he's not biased as such. And he's was a web designer and a writer first. So the articles are tend to be pretty well written when you get around to reading and not just watching the pretty pictures. And it's, it, it seems to have like a good variety. And the other place I probably drop into most often is Wine After Coffee. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's just the internet is too wide. It's just fantastic that these guys have kind of just collated it for me. So when I do get a moment, I can... What, what, kind of, what kind of site is that? Is that? Vimeo channel. Oh, Vimeo channel. It's a Vimeo cool. channel. Yeah. yeah. Really good curation. Cool. Like the content that you know that you've got something good if you get a piece of work on theirs. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
yet to have one. But yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's people go through all the crap to pull out the good stuff, and it's like I don't want to watch the crap. I don't have time. Yeah, I think the internet is becoming that where you're following the good curators rather than trying to scour it yourself. Definitely, definitely. That's why I follow Lester Banks for tutorials because sure. there's such a good feed of a variety of different stuff. My who do I follow is motion designers on Instagram. So Instagram was photos for a long time and I only really got into it once video started popping up as well. At motion designers, there's this beautiful motion designer. It's a mixture of both video and stills. And again, they're sort of curating some stuff and they're producing stuff. So it's not just one person, I think. I'm not 100% sure of that. I'm pretty sure that it's um, another curation feed. But that's my pick of the week for who to follow. We'll cover inspirational video. You got one more? Oh, yeah, I've got one. Uh, uh, what's that for? Uh, for? For who I follow. Oh, Alice, did I not ask nah, you? man. <laughs> Alice Morthorne. It's, it'll be in the show notes. <laughs> I can't spell it. Uh, but she's she's a, on Instagram, uh, but she's a design writer for the New York Times. And she does she does essays on Instagram. So there'll be like a little pic, which, but then there's an essay underneath it. And it's all, she'll do weekly focuses on like design and death or design as a life skill, I think was another one. She'll just do a series of daily kind of updates on that particular topic. And it's all, it's pretty broad. It's like from product to, you know, print to all sorts of architecture. And, and um, it's just really well thought out and it's a good just general education about you know really narrow corners you know of, of the design world that's i find that sounds really, intriguing yeah it's really cool it's it's interesting to think about trying to read long form yeah it's always you always have to click on the see more and then this this whole thing comes down and so you get the little topic at the top and you're like yeah design death i'll read about that and yeah and it's they're not they're not huge, but it's it's more than you're expecting. Yeah, it's cool to see people putting different types of content onto different social media. Yeah, things. exactly. Awesome. So this time, inspirational video. Amanda, have you got an inspirational video for us to share with the audience? I really love Ryle Mark stuff. Um, Holton Catch Fire is one of one of my favourites. So it? good, eh? Yeah, and it was it was awesome hearing him speak about his kind of design methodology at node in melbourne last year yeah guess who i'm talking to i don't know who yes. you're talking to tomorrow <laughs> yes captain hey who's put on node so yeah really keen to chat to him about that awesome show that's a f- design motion festival oh it, it was amazing like i've been to semi-permanent and uh, i was create now and a few others you know that make it to new zealand but it was just a motion face, like you just didn't want to close your eyeballs or anything or miss anything because yeah. like all of the speakers were fantastic and the work was really inspiring. It's like, oh, I can do this and I can do that. And it was, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was more focused to what we do. It wasn't like a, you know, a, a fantastic, weird installation art piece or anything. Yeah. I find when like it's semi-permanent when there are motion or VFX speakers, I switch off and I don't want to, because the, the talk is generally broader than I want. They're, they're targeting their their talk to the audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I, you're not going to tell me anything I don't yeah. know. And this, I've seen all those videos. I watch all the behind the scenes. Uh, so I'd rather, yeah, listen to someone else talk. So something like a motion-focused 
um, event would be really neat. Yeah, so. it was. I I don't know how after sort of feel of afterburn and using red got into it. But, you know, that's mm. one of the things behind Hot and Catch Fire, and it's that mm. Silicon Valley launch. But it's all quite destructive and chaotic as well too and how did you know how he managed to communicate that visually it's mm. like wow cool and knowing that thought path from yeah. this conversation i'm pretty sure that the some of those presentations are available online so i have a look and if they are i'll put those um show notes on because i've been meaning to watch them and run out of time that's the problem with the internet it's too much content <laughs> <laughs> keep filling it up <laughs> sean what's your ins- inspirational video i just this one i just keep going back to just we get asked to just make something fun for social a lot and there's this great one that future deluxe did called bananas and it's it's just really like a it's a colorful psych and it's a banana in 3d just and it gets really dark and it's like just these bananas just doing stupid things and one of them's like a sailboat with butterflies as the sails uh one of them it like peels down and there's like a skeleton inside and it just it's little like physics tests and it's style you can see they've just been playing with stun stuff and just gone here's a banana here's the setup go for your life it's just really fun vignettes of morbid thoughts it yeah awesome yeah it's um, good Episode 7, which is Adrian Lawrence. He's working as motion director, associate creative at Future Deluxe. So there's a little segue into a previous episode for everyone to listen to. (laughs) I try and and stitch these things as much as possible. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) My inspirational video is American Gods, the main titles by Patrick Clare. Yeah. I I I watched that last night, the first episode. It's such good titles. I, I'm loving the the TV shows that are coming out. The titles are really well executed at the moment. That one in particular, that was also done with Elastic. I don't want to not do it justice, so I'm not going to describe it, but click on the link that will be on the show note, and you can also find that on um, our website, worldpodcast.com, with all the other shows and all the other show notes. We have lots of good links. Sean, where can we find you online? I'm pretty useless at the moment and I don't have a website, but uh, on Vimeo, uh, just vimeo.com slash Sean Magwick, one word, and probably at augusto.co.nz. Nice, nice. Amanda, where can people start following you online? Um, At the moment, yeah, I'm pretty much just on Vimeo. It's Vimeo slash Sasano, which is my last name. For those, there will be a link. It took me a couple of goes to write Sasano properly. But I'm a little <laughs> dyslexic. dyslexic. <laughs> Mag- Magwick's a fun one too. Uh, yeah, Magwick is my my last name's Walker, so that's pretty vanilla. They can also check out your boards on Pinterest too. Oh, I try to keep some hidden, you know, okay, a few things enough. to myself. I have some private boards, so I won't be sharing. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, fair you can enough. find me on Pinterest. <laughs> You can follow me at Blair Walker on Twitter and also Instagram and Vimeo. I haven't shouted out the Vimeo. I need to curate my Vimeo a little bit. It's a bit of a mess, but... I made a showreel last month. Really? I haven't done one of those in years. I know, it was at least three (laughs) years since the last one. Just to kind of, like, I've done stuff in the last three years, right? I'm just going to put it all together and I felt pretty good after it. Nice. Mm. I need to cut a reel. 
because I think when you see the projects, there's just uh, I've got it all filed away, but it's just yeah. a massive work, and it's yeah. like yeah. I think I, it was I found a tune, and that was like ah, now I can make something because I've got a good track to make it to. That's the hardest part, I think. Yeah, finding the right soundtrack. Yeah, you can't do it until you do. So yeah, yeah it, it literally will put the show reel off for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone for listening and thank you, Sean and Amanda, for being on the episode of the Pro Video Podcast. Thank you very much. Cheers, Blair. All right, bye. I'm going to read out a few reviews from listeners that have been sent in from iTunes. Okay, first up is Will iPod from New Zealand. More than just video. It's great to hear the story behind the creative. Love Blair's enthusiastic approach. Highly recommend. Thanks, Will iPod. Second review is from Julian CC from Australia. Love this show. Very informative. Great to listen to experts from this side of the globe. Thanks, Julian. Really appreciate it. And the third one that I'll read out this week is from Desartre from United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The title is The Business. This is The Business. No muss, no fuss, no half-drunk late-night ramblings between mates talking over each other, or worse, the guest. Instead, just patient conversations about motion graphics, 3D, etc. With some great people from the industry. Check out the comprehensive show notes over on Facebook too. Great tips, great references, and great inspiration. A great podcast. Really well made. Awesome, awesome review. Thanks so much for that. That's just a few of the many reviews that have been coming in. So I'll be reading them out. Please leave your name. Take a screen grab of the review that you post on iTunes. Post it on the Pro Video Podcast Facebook page. That way I can get in touch with you and look at the work that you're doing and maybe we can showcase some of your work, the listeners. Really love more of you to get into iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. The grateful is a five star. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. You can find me on all the normal social media at Blair Walker. All the episodes as well as all the show notes can be found on worldpodcast.com. There's heaps of other great podcasts on the network too. Definitely check it out. Thanks so much for listening again, guys. I'll catch you next time. All right, bye.